on today's message from Harvest Church of God. God needs a church that will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. When the devil wants to fight you about your past, remind him of his future. If God be God and right be right, then be counted for who God wants you to be. It's time for you to take that book right there and read that book. And what that book says is what's for you. If God says it's for you, it's for you. If God says you can do it, you can do it. If God's word says you're free from it, you're free from it. Whatsoever is in your belief system, it needs to be fed by the word of God. The word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even the dividing asunder of joints and marrow, the bone, and a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, Lord, we've come to the time in this service when we open the book of life and we discern from its pages instruction in righteousness. We thank you, O oh Lord, for this celebration of freedom today. And we thank you for the many, many men and women that paid the ultimate sacrifice that we could be here today. Thank you, God, for their sacrifice. Thank you for the families, Lord, that sent boys and girls to war zones that didn't come back. I thank you, God, today for people that believe in a, in a principle strong enough that's worth fighting for and worth dying for. Help us, Lord, these next few moments in your word to be encouraged and strengthened and to know that God's word is true and that our nation is one nation under God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. These holidays, especially the days in early spring and midsummer, all have a political attachment. We cannot celebrate uh, rightfully unless we give some information about what uh, those holidays represent and how does that cooperate with Scripture in such a way that we have a spiritual understanding. We know that God is the author of all good things. And we also know that every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every good gift, the gift of life, the health and strength that we have, all that is God-given. All that is God-given. And I thank God that I was born an American. And I thank God, though, that I have an ancestry that is a Native American but still I'm an American, and I hold dear the truths that this nation stands for. We're the bastion of freedom. We're the centerpiece of democracy in this world, and it's worth fighting for. Those first few minutes of Saving Private Ryan, have you ever seen that movie? Wow, some of you need to watch that. That was a pretty good one. Uh, Boy, those first 10 minutes are hard to watch. Boy, you just see all kinds of, well, war is hell, you know. And brother, when you see people chopped into pieces by machine guns and you see people dying right and left at June 14, 1944, the Normandy invasion, my uncle was killed in that uh, invasion. He didn't come 
back. He's buried in Normandy, France, in the American cemetery there. Joel was over not long ago to France and went to Normandy and took a picture of my uncle's grave. How about that? And he found the place in the cemetery where he was buried, and I, I believe he told me that President Roosevelt's son was just one space over and about three step, three paces up was President Roosevelt's son's gravesite. Yes, even President's sons have died in war. We all, in some way or another, have been affected by someone that gave their life and someone that made the ultimate sacrifice because they were called upon by their country to serve, to believe in something so much that you would die for it. There are 24 American cemeteries of service people in the world. 22 of them, I understand, are in Europe. Two of them in the South Pacific. It's interesting to me that the most sacred shrine in our country is a place called the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Have you ever been there? Have you ever watched the changing of the guard? Wow, some of you need to get out a little bit more. You're not, you're not getting around like you ought to. And uh, stand there and watch the dignity and the ceremony with which this nation respects its war dead. That's, that's something to see. That's something that will never be erased from my memory. And it's right and it's fitting that we should set aside a day to honor our war dead. It's right. It's Christian that we should do that. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans to pay honor to whom honor is due. Honor those to whom honor is due. And Winston Churchill made this statement. He said, never before in the history of human conflict has so many owed so much to so few. What a statement. It's been said that the history of the United States is written upon the headstones of Arlington National Cemetery. Nearly 300,000 stories of men and women who died for what they believed in. Each headstone represents a story waiting to be told and a past to be remembered and a tangible reminder of the cost of freedom. Some are stories of great triumph and courage and bravery in perilous times. Others take us back to times of great struggle and heartfelt sadness. Arlington is the final resting place of ordinary men and women who through their dedication and commitment served their country in extraordinary fashion in the cause of freedom around the world. They were made to realize that freedom has a price and they paid that price. Arlington is the home of the greatest among us and it's the home of the least among us. It has been said that Arlington is the heart of our republic. No man, Douglas MacArthur made this statement, no man is entitled to the blessings of freedom unless he be vigilant in its preservation. George Patton made this statement, it is foolish and wrong to mourn the men and women who died Rather, we should thank God that these men and women lived.
Our flag does not fly because the wind moves it. It flies with the last breath of every soldier who died protecting it. And if words cannot repay the debt we owe these men and women, surely with our actions we must strive to keep faith with them and with the vision that led them to battle and to their final sacrifice of their lives. President Ronald Reagan. Unknown. We don't know them all, but we owe them all. What a tremendous debt of gratitude that we owe today to those people that died for us and died for our country, died for a future. It is the greatest sacrifice that someone can give. And greater love hath no man than this, than that he would lay down his life for a friend. This day reminds us that there are some things that are worth fighting and even dying for. We're able to sit here in this beautiful edifice in a beautiful, peaceful environment because men and women gave themselves up to serve their country in times of war. The American notion that life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness should be the possession of every person. And that founding principle of our democracy is the reason we sent young men and women to the islands in the Pacific and deserts of North Africa, jungles in Vietnam and European cities and towns because many of those sent to war did not return to their families and homes. And that's the reason why we have a Memorial Day. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is such a place of reverence. There is written there on that marble sarcophagus. It has three Greek figures that are sculpted on the side representing peace and victory and valor. There are also six wreaths, three sculpted on each side that represent the six major campaigns of World War I. And on the back of that marble tomb, there is an inscription that reads, Here rests in honored glory an American soldier known only to God. Here rests in honorable glory an American soldier known only to God. It's a somber place. It's a place of contemplation. Memorial Day marks the day in 1921 when four unknown soldiers were exhumed from four World War I American cemeteries in France. Army Sergeant Ed Edward F. Younger chose the unknown soldier of World War I who now lies in the tomb. President Warren Harding officiated at the interment ceremonies at the Memorial Amphitheater on November the 11th, 1921. There are three other soldiers that are buried in the tomb. In 1956, President Eisenhower signed a bill to select and pay tribute to the unknowns of World War II in Korea. The selection ceremonies and the interment of those unknowns took place in 1958. The unknown of Vietnam were, was only unknown for a short time. After being placed into the tomb in 84, the unknown was exhumed in 88. And thanks to mitochondrial DNA testing, the Department of Defense scientists were able to identify the remains as Air Force First Lieutenant Michael Joseph Blassie. It was decided 
that the crypt that contained the remains of the Vietnam unknown will remain vacant. The crypt cover was replaced with a new inscription that now reads, Honoring and Keeping Faith with America's Missing Servicemen. This day also helps us in thanking God for the freedoms we enjoy as a result of the extreme sacrifice. Every good gift comes from God. The gift of life for people that love one another is a gift of God. The grace of God that brings salvation also favors us in putting our lives in relationship with people that are willing to go to a foreign land and to sacrifice themselves for us. In his great work, I think it's probably called the Opus Magnus of Noah Webster, he defines sacrifice this way, to destroy, to surrender, or to suffer to be lost for the sake of obtaining something of greater good. Something of greater good. The concept of sacrifice evokes various responses from people negatively. Sometimes we look at submission and we look at subjection in a, in a negative way as if it's uh, demeaning or as if it's uh, inglorious of some way. But the Bible said that obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience to be true to the things that God ordains in your life, to submit yourself to those things that God says are most surely believed among us. That concept is a concept that we in America find very valuable. Americans, in this day and time, and I must sadly say to you in this sad commentary, people in our society know very little about sacrifice. And a generation has come up that uh, doesn't know a whole lot about commitment and doesn't know a whole lot about tradition and value and that kind of thing. And that's very sad to me. It's popular now to make fun of Christians and to make snide remarks about Christians. The nighttime comedians always get a laugh when they jab at Christians and jab at people who believe the Bible. And that's becoming very commonplace in our society, even in this secular time that we're in right now. There are people that uh, demean the Bible, that disrespect the Bible. In fact, a congressman in our Congress made the statement not long ago, what the Bible says or who Jesus is is of little concern to this Congress. Another said, don't ever confuse us by quoting what God's Word says again. We really don't care. And I need to sound a word of warning. The Bible said, the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all nations, all nations that forget God. Brother, you can afford to forget a lot of things, but you can't afford to forget God. You can afford to, to be remiss and, and not recollect a lot of things, but there's one thing God said don't ever forget. Always remember that I am the Lord and beside me there is none other.
it's popular now to, to call people old fogey and to call people uh, fundamental and uh, un, unenlightened. That's sad. Even some of our people are deconstructing their faith. Some popular music groups that sing to our young people have said, I no longer, you, you might call me an ex-evangelical. I don't believe the evangelical message anymore. I still want to make money off your kids, but I don't believe the Bible anymore. And I don't believe in evangelicalism. That means tell everybody that Jesus died for them. You see, we need to be very careful in these days of compromise and in these days of passivity. God needs a church that will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. God needs a church of conviction. God needs pulpits that will stand and declare the word of the Lord unabashed. God needs men and women that will take a stand for right and morality and decency and order. God is looking for some people. I believe God's searching for a people right now that will make that commitment to him, that will dare to be different in a world of compromise, that will dare to take the road less travel, that will dare to tell a nation to repent and turn from their wickedness and turn from their evil ways. There is a fight that is on right now. Now is the time that many people are having to fight for their family. And I want to tell you, we're in an all-out war right now with the attack on the American family. Our family units are falling apart. Every year, less and less is emphasized and placed on the importance of strong families. I want to tell you, the family is the basic unit upon which our democracy is built. And if Satan can attach our, attack our foundation to the point that we dismantle the family unit as the basis of our society, then he scored a huge victory against the Christian church. You need to fight for your family. You need to fight for those relationships. In fact, the Bible says this, Ephesians 5 and 25, Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Yes, there's sacrifice in all relationships. In marriage, there's sacrifice. In business, there's sacrifice. Everybody feels like you've made a sacrifice. A mother told me this last week about her uh, going and making great sacrifices for her daughter. That when times were tough, she'd work two jobs to try to fulfill the dream of that young girl. And many parents have worked their fingers to the bone, sacrificing so their children could have a better life and so their children wouldn't have to struggle like they did coming up. You might as well say, man, I've heard you say that. 
And you see, if, 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 if that's what, what is so important to us, we want to make sure that our family stays strong, then I want to tell you, the family that prays together stays together. And the family that is built upon God's Word can weather the storm. The family that builds their house upon the rock, they will persevere and they will see God's favor and God's blessing on their lives. Amen. They'll train up a child in the way it should go. They'll give the nurture and they'll give the admonition that a child needs to have in order to grow up in the church. Our society needs mamas and daddies that will pray with their kids and read the Bible to their kids. And it's, it's kind of popular now to, to sneer at that and, and, and say we would get along a whole lot better if it wasn't for these Judeo-Christian values. Well, I want to tell you, that's what's holding things together right now. I'd hate to live in a world where there weren't Judeo-Christian values. Judeo-Christian values is don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, don't bear false witness, don't envy, don't commit adultery. Come on, somebody. Now, if, if, if contending for those things, those old-fashioned morals, if that offends people, then you need to find out where the, the, the answer is. Because if you don't find the answer in God's Word, then you might as well stop searching. Because it's not going to happen. And if you're trying to find acceptance, this world will try to satisfy that longing in your soul. But you'll search this wide world o'er and you'll be just as before because only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Yeah. Fight for your family. Sacrifice is necessary. Did you notice when I quoted that scripture when he said he loved the church and gave himself for it? God needs some parents that will give themselves for it. God needs some daddies that will give himself for it. He's saying love your family just like Christ loved the church. Love your family. Pray for your family. Be a, be a consistent force, positive, and reinforcement for your members of your family. Let them know they can trust you, that you'll be there. There's too much backstabbing and too much pulling the rug out from under and throwing under the bus and all of that kind of stuff that goes on among families. And my blessed God, if we don't get a hold of these drug problems that we've got, do you know, are you aware how that families struggle with addictions? Surely you are. That's a battle that we need to fight. The church needs to be up front in that battle because we don't believe people ought to be in bondage to anything. We believe in this freedom. We believe that people can be delivered. We preach a gospel of deliverance. We preach a gospel of healing. We preach a gospel of reinforcing and loving people and, and helping people, picking people up. Jesus is all about picking somebody up. Jesus is all about second chance. 
Jesus is all about new beginnings. He's all about helping someone get back on your feet. Someone told me last Sunday as I was exiting the building, said, Pastor, the old adversary, the enemy, the devil thought he had me. And she said with David, I, I almost slipped. Almost slipped. My foot almost slipped. But then I remembered the house of the Lord. You see, that's why you need to go to God's house so you'll have a memory. That's why you need to sit in the congregation of the righteous so you'll have a memory. That's why you need to hear spiritual songs sung is so you'll have a memory. Hey, you can't have a testimony without a test. There's going to be a fight somewhere along the way, and you're going to have to take a stand and resist. And if God be for you, who in the world could be against you? If God be for us, John, who in the world could be against us? If he has pledged himself, I will not take my hand off of you until I have finished what I started in you. I'm committed to getting you to the finish line. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will not allow the arrow that flies by night nor the bow and the arrow that flies by day. I will not allow that to harm you or hurt you. Hey, he said, when you go through the fire, the fire won't consume you. When you're in the flood, the flood will not overflow you. I, the Lord your God, will be your shield. I'll be your buckler. I'll be your high tower. I'll be your hiding place in the time of defense. God says, I'm with you. And I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. What a promise. What a promise God's people have. What a promise. Fight for your family. Don't let the devil come in there and steal your kids. Woo! What'd you say? Don't let the devil steal your kids. Well, what am I going to do about it? Pray till something happens. That's called push, P-U-S-H. Pray till something happens. Pray until something happens. When I was in Korea, went to Paul Youngie Cho's church, went up to Prayer Mountain. At one time, 3,000 people on Prayer Mountain. And I asked Dr. Cho, I said, how do they know when to come down? He said, they won't till they ring the bell. I said, bell? What bell are you talking about? He said, every time God answers a prayer, they ring the bell. And said, they won't come down until somebody rings the bell. They'll just pray until something happens. My blessed Lord, I wonder what would happen at harvest if we would pray until something happens. I wonder what would happen in your home, your family, and if you prayed until something happens. We fight that good fight of faith. We resist the devil. We stand against the wiles of the devil. We fight him. And I'm here to tell you I am a soldier. 
I am a fighter. I am a warrior. The Bible said that no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has called him to be a soldier. Hey, onward, Christian soldiers. I'm in the army of the Lord. Praise God. And there's a fight to be fought. There's an enemy for us to defeat. There's an adversary for us to fight against. Put your armor on. Get your sword. Get your shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen. And wield the sword of the word of God and be victorious. The Bible said we're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. The Bible said this is the victory that overcometh the world, even your faith. My God, if we've got victory assured, then why in the world halt we between two opinions? If God be God and right be right, then be counted for who God wants you to be. Hallelujah. Fight that good fight of faith. You must fight. Jude said earnestly contend for the faith. Are you in the contending business? Are you in the contention? Are you right out there on the front line of the battle? Are you out there where God wants you to be? Are you huddled up somewhere complaining about something or somebody? My Lord, there's a fight to be fought and you could win it. I said, you can win it. We're in it to win it. Amen. I didn't start this path for heaven to get down the road and get discouraged and turn around and throw in the towel and quit. No, when I made that first step, I said, God, I'm going all the way. I'm going to finish. Hey, listen to this. The race is not to the swift, but the race is to the one who endures to the end. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of righteousness that fadeth not away. There's a fight. There's a fight. Earnestly contend for the faith. We must fight that good fight of faith. Lay hold upon eternal life. Keep what is committed unto us against that day. We have to war against the flesh. The Bible said the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh could i tell you there's contention going on in, inside this man there's flesh that wants to have its way there's flesh that wants to dominate and rule but there's a spirit that if i keep him fed and i keep him exercised then he always wins. Always wins. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Thanks be to God the Spirit wins that contest every time if you keep him fed. That's why it's important that you listen to God's Word. That's why it's important that you ingest the Word of God to keep your spirit man strong. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So if you keep your spirit man fed, then you won't do fleshly things. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Hey, if we're fighting against fleshly things and ungodly things, then we need to let the Spirit direct our path. And we need to let the Spirit direct and energize us 
to fight the fight. That's the power. I said, that's the power. Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. God's church is not a powerless church. God's church is a powerful church. Behold, I give you power, he said. And he said, don't you worry about victory. I've already conquered death, hell, and the grave. I've already conquered Satan. His end is already decided. He's a convicted criminal. He's on death row. When the devil wants to fight you about your past, remind him of his future. War against the flesh. We must resist the devil because the Bible said he will flee from you. The light of faith has come face to face with many popular people who no longer believe like they should. One of the most popular groups, DC Talk, has a lead singer that says, I no longer believe like I used to believe. Paul Maxwell, whose dad is a famous preacher, said, I no longer believe. I've been deconstructing my faith for many years. Deconstructing is just a real pretty word for losing the battle. Been losing the battle with my faith. Where do you get faith? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Brother, when you cut out the Word of God and say, Jesus don't love me because I have read something wrote on a page somewhere. Oh, yes, he does. He even says, my words, they are spirit and they are life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Neither is there any name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. But at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. John Piper is one of the greatest evangelical preachers, pastors, has a son named Abraham. Don't believe in the Bible. Is working on a new relationship with God. I want to tell you something. That word of God right there, that Bible right there, Paul said this. He said to the Galatian believers, he said, I besought you and I called you and I, I became the, your spiritual father. You're my spiritual children. And he said, by the gospel of grace, I came and preached peace to you. And I talked about Jesus and the resurrection, the crucifixion, the resurrection. And he said, if an angel, I marvel that you're so soon removed, that you're deconstructed. I marvel that you're so soon removed from that place. 
where I founded you and put you in the Word of God. And now you've decided you've got so smart that you know more. So you're going to leave and deconstruct and retreat from that place. Paul said, unto another gospel which is not even a gospel. But he said this, though we are an angel, come down from heaven and preach any other gospel, then let him be accursed. Ooh. When the Bible said that many had believed false teachers and false doctrines, he said, and have made shipwreck concerning their faith. What does shipwreck mean, Brother Irwin? Disconnecting, dismantling, disconstructing their faith. Brother, it's not a time for you to start deconstructing. It's not a time for you to rethink your relationship with God. It's not a time for you to go read Professor Bottle Stopper's latest book on this revelation or that prophecy. It's time for you to take that book right there and read that book. And what that book says is what's for you. If God says it's for you, it's for you. If God says you can do it, you can do it. If God's word says you're free from it, you're free from it. If God's word said attach your heart to it, then attach your heart to it. Because whatsoever is of faith, whatsoever is in your belief system, it needs to be fed by the word of God. The word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even the dividing asunder of joints and marrow, the bone, and a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So on this day, when we honor our war dead, could I tell you God's got a tomb of the unknown soldier too? Take me by the hand and I'll lead you to it. Let's go down through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let's go through the Acts of the Apostles and Let's go through Romans and let's go through 1st and 2nd Corinthians and let's get the letters and the epistles, Colossians and Ephesians and Philippians and Galatians to get all that and let's get to the books of the Advent, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and then let's get over to the books of the pastoral epistles, 1st Timothy and 2nd Timothy and Titus and Philemon and oh, we arrive at a shrine. It's called the book of Hebrews. And we read through there about a high priest of our profession of faith. That a, a man who has once offered himself for the sins of the whole world forever. And I find a chapter over there, number 11. And it starts talking about God's hall of fame. And he talks about great personalities. And he talks about great people. He talks about Abel, and he talks about Adam, and he talks about Noah, and he talks about Abraham, and he talks about Isaac, and he talks about Jacob, and he talks about Moses, and he talks about Joshua, and he talks about Gideon, and he talks about Barak, and, and then he talks about Rahab, and he goes on down there, and he gets to, gets to a, a place in that chapter, I believe it's about the 13th verse. Put it up there for me. Let me see if I can find it for us. We're looking for that shrine, aren't we? 
looking for that tomb of an unknown soldier, Hebrews 11. He says, there were others. There were many, many others. And he said, they wrought miracles. They subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They believed God. They saw their dead raised from the dead. They saw their crippled ones restored and healed. By faith, he sojourned in a land of promise. Go on down. Keep going. That's talking about Abraham. For he looked for a city. That's still about Abraham. Keep going. Keep on going. Keep on going. We're on our way to a tomb of an unknown soldier. Lots of them. Lots of them. He looked for a city. Keep going on down. Keep going on down. Skip down there to where it says, of whom this world was not worthy. He said there are so many names of them. He said they were, they were slain by the sword. They were sawn asunder. They were all kind of things going on in their life of whom this world was not worthy. I don't know their names. They're unknown. They wandered in deserts. They wandered in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, Receive not the promise, but God, having provided a better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Oh, glory to God. In God's tomb, there's a lot of unnamed folks. He said, I can't mention all their names. I can tell you about the main ones. I can talk to you about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and I can talk about Barak, and I can talk about Samson and David and Samuel, but I'm going to get down here to a group I don't know who they are, but said they did great things for God. They were soldiers in God's army, and they were sown asunder, and they died. I don't know their names, but one day, one day, when a trumpet sounds, the Bible said, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. One day Arlington's going to have an earthquake. One day those graves are going to give up the dead that are in it. One day that South Pacific Ocean is going to give up those dead soldier boys that knew the Lord Jesus. One day those jungles in Vietnam are going to give up the body of that person that was fighting for his country and lost his life. Though it's known to God, known to God. God knows where they are, and the Bible said, and they will hear his voice. They will hear his voice, and they shall awake. They shall awake. Oh, when dust shall sing, when, when that grave, when that grave burst wide open and that person steps forth to be forever with the Lord. So there I showed you where God's got a tomb of unknown soldiers too. But thanks be to God, we celebrate a resurrection, a glorious resurrection, a glorious resurrection. Stand with me, please. I pledge allegiance to the flag 
of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hey. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rockets red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there oh say does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. I'm proud to be an American. You take this with you today and this message, and I pray that God will use it many, many times on the Internet because America needs to hear what we preached here today.